Once again, it is another edition of What's Involved. And on this one, we're going out of this world. Or we're figuring out how to go out of this world. What on earth am I talking about? I've got the most fascinating guest that I'd like to introduce you to. Uh, he is the founder of Hypernova Space Technologies, and he is Jonathan Lund. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, David. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, it's almost like I'm talking to a rocket scientist now. So, so before we get into what, what Hypernova does and, and your journey there, tell me a little bit about Jonathan and, and, you know, what led you to decide that you wanted to do this? Sure, David. Yeah, so I grew up in Joburg. I was uh, born and raised in the eastern part in Kensington, great neighborhood. And uh, yeah, I've always wanted to be an engineer and design and invent things and got exposed to uh, when you watch um, things happening at NASA and astronauts and rockets and that sort of thing. And that uh, really inspired me to to want to pursue it and say, yeah, maybe I can also do the same thing. Um, even though I'm far away in, in, uh, from all of that activity, you know, you never know what might happen. Uh, yeah. And then over the years, um, got to see the likes of Mark Shuttleworth and Elon Musk doing uh, stuff in space. And I thought, well, okay, maybe South Africans can really be involved in that. Uh, and then I was very fortunate to, get involved with some satellite program at Stellenbosch University in uh, postgraduate studies and yeah, studied engineering uh, and then had a chance to actually do a project around how to move satellites around in space. Um, and then ended up doing quite a lot of research in what is ultimately uh, Hypernova's core technology today, which is to, actually push satellites around in space using a really novel means of propulsion uh, that's quite different from everything else today. Now, you, you, you say this, and it sounds so easy, but you, so you've qualified now as a, as a what engineer? Sure. So I did a PhD in mechanical engineering at WITS and also studied at Stellenbosch. So not really a rocket scientist in, the, in a way, more, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it certainly got me on the path to being curious and to uh, get in touch with uh, people who know more about these things. So now, was the idea always there for for the company, or did you did you go out and work with with other places? Did you have other jobs before Hypernova? Oh yeah, sure. I did work in the space industry for a number of years. I actually worked for the South African Space Agency. Uh, and then for Space Tech, which was uh, a government uh, program to build satellites. And then I also spent some time at a space startup in Stellenbosch. Um, it's quite interesting to see how, over just over the last five years, a lot of commercial and private companies, particularly in the Western Cape, have actually built up to cater to the international space industry. So, yeah, with that knowledge, uh, with the experience, um, I knew I'd wanted to start something um, for a while, but I uh, didn't really know how to. And I think it just took a, a while and, and maybe needed a bit of courage to, to finally take the jump. Now, first off, there, and, and I, do, I think it took immense courage, but 
you know, the concept of South Africa and then South Africa having a space program just just boggles the mind a little bit because, you know, in general, South Africa can't get a lot of things right. How how do we do? How are we doing on the space front then? Sure. So I think I think one of the biggest challenges is really um, having and people understand the connection uh, that we have with space. Most people assume space to be associated with very wealthy people going on joy rides <laughs> and uh, not really making the connection that space is actually play, already playing quite an integral part in the way we do life and, and in the economy, things like GPS, weather prediction, um, in the way we track uh, assets and resources for the insurance company or for logistics, um, things like monitoring, you know, water and other resources. We really do that with satellites. So, it's really about making people aware of the fact that these are already out there, uh, that those tools and those resources. And yeah, in the last couple of years, I think the space industry as a whole has really undergone quite a lot of commercial activity, uh, obviously spearheaded by uh, very high profile companies and people, but I think that has a ripple effect across everybody. And so, yeah, a lot of the, People who started South African space companies, um, I think, were yeah partly as a result of that overall trend that's happening globally. So there's probably about a dozen space companies right now in South Africa, whether it's building space hardware or um, processing and analyzing and selling um, imagery of the Earth, um, building radios and uh, being uh, ground stations to capture and receive satellite signals. So I think it's, it is growing quite organically. Um, but yeah, there's always opportunity to do more. Now, now in terms of this, this do more, because I've just had a chat to uh, Mick Mann from Singularity uh, U, South Africa. And uh, apparently you're going to be on one of the panels in the, the upcoming summit in October. But you have more of a connection with them, don't you? Talk to me about that, because... Is that, is that not the bit that led you to where you are now? Sure. Singularity did play quite a big role in where I am today. I had a chance to go to the Global Solutions Program um, at the time, which was in 2017. Uh, yeah, I won a competition to go and get, uh, get sponsorship to travel there and spend three months at NASA in Silicon Valley with 90 other people and get to be exposed to all these new ideas to the people and, um, and to the connections there and really expand my horizon or expand my view of, of the world and what could be in the future and yeah, how we can be empowered to actually be part of that change to make, to make things better. So in fact, that's ultimately where I met um, one of my co-founders. Uh, he's actually Canadian. And yeah, he and I started up Hypernova. And then um, about 18 months ago, actually just as COVID hit, which was really great timing, <laughs> we, started, uh, we started going full-time. So I've been working full-time on Hypernova, yeah, just in the last 18 months. Uh, and it's been, been quite a ride. Yeah, like I said, you know, we, we do pick the best times to start some of these things, don't we? Um, so, so Hypernova is based 
just in South Africa or you sort of got the, the South African branch and the Canadian branch? So right now we're just set up in South Africa. Um, we would like to start branching out overseas simply because the space industry is global and we'd like to be close to where our customers are and where you know, most of the opportunities are. So I think it's still good for us to, to set up here in the sense that we could have we could do quite a lot with uh, what we already had and take advantage or make the most of the, the skill set and the abilities that we have here in South Africa. Wonderful stuff. My special guest is Jonathan Lind, one of the founders of Hypernova Technology. This is What's Involved. We'll be back with you in just a bit and uh, finding out what Hypernova Technologies actually does. As I said, back in a bit. And we're back. What's involved it is, and my special guest, Jonathan Lund, one of the founders of Hypernova Space Technologies. So, Jonathan, what is Hypernova Space Technologies all about? Because I heard I heard a mention, and maybe I misheard it, which is possible, um, that you turn rocks into rocket fuel. Sure, yeah, that's a quite a quite a great tagline. So the it's essentially what we're doing is with rockets, they're all using uh, some really combustible liquid gas fuel that's either very expensive or very toxic or can store, be stored under pressure, and that can be quite dangerous, um, particularly um, yeah, when you see rockets exploding, it's, it's really not a good thing. So the same processes happen with satellites as well. They need to push themselves and maneuver themselves around in space. So they have their own little rocket engines, some of them at least. Um, but, you know, it's still quite a complex thing. It's, there's always the danger that something could leak or explode. And so uh, the technology that I worked on was to completely change that around and say, what is the most uh, cheap and abundant thing that we could use as fuel? And if you also want to think about if we're going to travel out beyond, you know, beyond Earth and settle on the moon and Mars and other planets, we need to be able to actually use the resources that we have around us, not just take everything from Earth and, and have to transport it. That's just not sustainable. So essentially what, what the technology I worked on is to take any metal that can be found you know, in rocks, uh, you know, ordinary stuff like aluminium and iron and copper and stuff that can even be found on the moon, uh, and on asteroids and actually use it as a fuel source. So what we've done is developed prototypes and uh, developed um, hardware that can actually consume um, raw metal and actually creates uh, a thrust from that. So yeah, we're selling that now as one of our first products. Um, and we've gotten to the point where we're gonna do a flight demonstration mission in space on a, on a real satellite sometime in March next year. Okay, now let's just talk a bit about satellites because I've got a very limited understanding of it. I mean, as far as I know, you know, you, you get a rocket and you pay, well, somebody has a rocket, you pay them to put your little satellite on there, blasts off into space, ejects the, the satellites, and they just spin around there in orbit all the time. Um, yep. So now there's this principle of geostationary orbits as well. So, so surely once it's up there, you don't really need to move it, or do you? Yeah, so we, 
when you have uh, your satellite fl floating around and orbiting the Earth, there are different orbits. Um, some are at very low Earth orbit, and you talked about geostationary. So that orbit is uh, large enough that the satellite goes around the Earth at the same rate that the Earth rotates. So it looks like from the, from the Earth's point of view, it looks like the satellite's stationary. So, so those are very interesting uses because um, it's useful for telecoms or for other communications because the satellite looks like it's in a fixed point in the sky. If you think of orbits as like highways, so you know, certain orbits have very useful um, applications that are ideal for satellites to, to orbit and maybe take pictures of the Earth at the same time of day so that you can get consistent data. Um, but what happens is there's all sorts of disturbances in space. Maybe the, the sun um, pusher creates more um, particles or maybe the the Earth's magnetic field shifts a little bit and your satellite over time, the orbit doesn't stay the same. It kind of drifts or it decays um, or might even start having a collision course with a piece of space junk. And you need propulsion in order to make sure your satellite can get out the way or to adjust its orbit. So yeah, think about it as orbits in space being like highways. And satellites are these cars that are driving along the highways. So sure, they can, they can travel along, but if you've got no steering wheel, you can't really change lanes or stop colliding with another satellite. Uh, and that's a big problem. So that's, that's where propulsion comes in. All right. Now, sorry, I got totally distracted a second ago there when you were talking about the, the, the sort of fuel that you can burn. Yeah. And I suddenly had this vision of people going mining fuel and on, on the moon and all sorts of things like that. The potential for this, as I understand it, though, is huge. And I mean, it, it's quite revolutionary. And, I, you know, the fact that you guys figured this out, I think, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, you mentioned just quite quietly that you're going to be doing a, a test next year. But talk me through, because I, I, I had a look on your on your website. And, and, you know, normally I always joke with my guests and say that I stalk them a little bit before I chat to them just so I can find out more. Your website um, gives information, but it just makes me want to know more. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's kind of like a teaser. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. So talk to me about this, this product of yours. Is it, is it an engine um, and, and how does it turn metal into a way to make things go? Sure. So we started off with something that we thought, well, we want it to be um, as simple as possible in the sense that we don't want the user having to buy a device that they need a huge instruction manual for and they have to um, look at after it very carefully and they have to have all sorts of logistics headaches that they experience with other systems. So the beauty of the technology is that it's you know, pretty much um, largely electronic, uh, solid state. So there's no very little moving parts. There's no liquids or gases. And the idea is it's almost like a plug and play system. Um, the unit is pretty small. It can fit in your hand. Uh, and half of it is the electronics to power it, and the other half is act the actual engine. Uh, and the way that the, it creates thrust from the metal is it works pretty much like the spark plug in your car. 
So if you imagine these, it creates these sparks and the metal actually vaporizes during the, those arcing uh, events. And that it's enough energy to actually vaporize and, and turn the metal into this very high energetic plasma. So yeah, a, it works. I think that's the easiest description I can think of. So think of it as spark plugs in space. <laughs> <laughs> I need to find out more when we come back. Uh, we're chatting to my special guest, Jonathan Lynn, who is uh, one of the founders of Hypernova Space Technologies. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a space freak. So you know, this, this my mind is boggling at the moment. More from uh, our special guest, Jonathan, when we come back. This is what's involved. And we're back with Jonathan Lynn, who is our special guest, uh, one of the founders of uh, Hypernova Space Technologies. Now, when you mentioned, Jonathan, initially that this is a small unit, can fit into your hand, I thought, no, 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 that's, that's not what I saw, you know, when these guys were, were building the Death Star and things like that. You need some serious power. But then there was another part of my brain that says, but hang on, there's not a lot of friction up there. So... Is, is that why they don't have to be massive to move them? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. There's no, there's no um, drag or very little drag uh, in space. And hence, you don't need a, a lot of force to actually push the satellite around. So what's interesting about the technology is that we, can, we wanted to start small in order to be able to demonstrate it. And also the fact that a lot of satellites are, are quite small in size at this stage. You know, traditionally satellites have been maybe the size of a bus and now they've turned into something that's about the size of a briefcase. And so we wanted to cater to that market. And yeah, that's why we've started small. But there's no inherent limit to how, how large a system we can make. It's really just limited by how much power you have available on your satellite to actually create that thrust. So we can scale it to, you know, for these small satellites, but then, you know, our, our long-term goal is to start building it for much more larger ambitious craft that can actually do, you know, very large scale activities in space. Just, just not more space tourism. I think, you know, the competition there is a bit rough at the moment. Um, I'm just wondering how many of these guys are offering return tickets, but that's another question entirely. Um, but Jonathan, it's, it's, uh, my mind is, is, is blown as I speak to you. So this is this little thing that you can fit on that can move uh, satellites in space. How long can it, does it last? Because, you know, you mentioned something and we've seen, all of us have seen pictures of rockets exploding spectacularly and, you know, the satellites falling out of orbit and burning up on re-entry, et cetera, et cetera. And from what I understand from what you're saying with your system, there's less chance of it blowing up. Well, in fact, there's no chance of it blowing up because there's nothing explosive on it. Um, if something were to fail, it would simply just stop working like uh, any old electronic uh, component. So inherently, it's, it's fail-safe. But at the same time, um, it's available for you whenever you, you need it. So if you turn it off, it's completely benign. Um, yeah. So. Okay. Know. Now, how long, roughly, how long can, 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 you know, one of your, is it an engine? Can we call it an engine or a thruster? A thruster sounds much more like what it should. <laughs> how, long, yeah, and, and, how long does I that know. last? 
So our, our demonstration mission uh, that's going up next year is going to uh, perform several maneuvers um, and in total probably going to operate for uh, at least uh, maybe a dozen hours long uh, continuously. Um, but ultimately, we'd like to you know, have it last for maybe tens, if not hundreds of hours. So essentially what happens is you're limited by the amount of fuel that you have because it gets consumed very slowly. So we've only put a, a small amount of, of metal on board just to demonstrate the, the system and, and show that we've got some um, you know, ability to actually make it work. So yeah, following from that, yeah, larger and more bigger systems will will have contain will contain more and more fuel. I'm just amazed that there is and, and that part of the research I've done, there's there's a huge need. Um, there's a huge gap when it comes to 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 your kind of product there. But now you talk about the mission next year. Does this involve you? Is the satellite itself just going to get shot off into space, or are you going to space? Um, so we we're going to be one of the systems on the satellite. So the satellite will is about the size of a briefcase, um, and will be one of several hardware um, components on there that will be doing demonstrations. And then that satellite will be given over to um, ultimately to SpaceX, and it'll hitch a ride on one of those SpaceX rockets to actually fly up to low Earth orbit. Okay, so you haven't organized yourself a trip there yet? Myself, personally, no. <laughs> no. I, think, I think you need to just get up there to that International Space Station, you know, because you'll be closer to the project that way. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> now, SpaceX is, that's, uh, who, who runs SpaceX now? Uh, that would be Elon Musk. So that's Elon's thing. Now, um, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this, this thrust unit that you've developed in terms of SpaceX because Elon promised us a while ago that we'd get super fast internet from satellites and we haven't got it here yet. So I'm sulking a bit about that. Yeah, that's quite an ambitious project. Um, I mean, they want to ultimately launch uh, well over 10,000 satellites into orbit to actually beam down internet. That's going to be quite a quite a challenge, I think, in terms of managing traffic. Um, in fact, I saw a, a news article the other day that said 90% of near collisions in, in space right now is due to those um, Starlink satellites. So fortunately, all of them have propulsion systems on board, um, but they're still using that very expensive gas-based uh, fuel. So. You never know. Maybe in the future, Hypernova could provide uh, propulsion tech for for Starlink. Mm, that would be nice. I would I would like to hear that. My special guest is Jonathan Lynn. Uh, we're talking about uh, the propulsion unit, the thruster that he has uh, developed, or they have developed at Hypernova Space Technology. We'll be wrapping it up when we come back. This is what's involved, and we're back with my guest Jonathan Lynn. So, Jonathan, you've you've Develop this. There's a prototype for it. You're going to do testing. In terms of the market, has people shown an interest? Because I'm assuming this is not something that you could just do in your garage. Well, yeah, I think most most of these projects tend to start out in the garage and then they they start to get some serious uh, 
legs behind them. So, yeah, we're a small team. We're about um, six people. Um, and, yeah, we've engaged with quite a few customers who've shown some interest. And we've also been watching the market and how it's been evolving. And I think propulsion is becoming a lot more recognized. And at some point, I think even going to be mandated for, for satellites to avoid the space debris problem and make sure that people are uh, being responsible actors in space. Yeah, well, because that's another story entirely. I mean, you know, who would have thought a couple of years ago, 30, 40 years ago, that we'd have to worry about space junk? But uh, us humans seem quite good at doing that kind of thing. Uh, Jonathan, as I mentioned earlier, you're going to be uh, part of the Singularity U Summit. What are you doing there? Sure. So I'll be speaking a little bit on a panel about the sustainability of space. Um, and I suppose that also leads a little bit around space debris. Um, but also turning towards the idea that there are resources out there in space. So not only, um, you know, space is not just a destination that you can you know, go and plant a flag on and claim it for yourself. There are actually a lot of available things like water and metals and other um, rare elements out there that we could actually make use of. So um, you start sort of traveling on the idea of mining things out there. And a lot of governments and private companies are looking quite seriously into it. And we need to be prepared for it, both uh, technologically, uh, but also socially and economically as well. How do we make sure that um, Africa, for example, gets to take advantage of it and, and, and not be um, behind in terms of um, what's next in the future? Mm, I can see certain countries just going up and saying, well, it's the moon, so we're going to take it all. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, that could be a bit of a challenge. Now, Jonathan, people who are as entrepreneurial as you are and who are as passionate as you are never have just one project on the go. So you've got this uh, small thruster that you have developed with a great technology. What else is in the pipeline? What's, what's up next for Jonathan? Yeah, well, at this stage, uh, Hypernova is taking up pretty much all of my time. But uh, looking ahead, I think it's, it's looking beyond just the, the small satellite market and seeing the opportunities available um, with our technology, not just for small sets, but for larger satellites and maybe even other applications. So, yeah, I think uh, running a business is very much um, takes up a lot of your, your energy and your mental capacity. But I think with that, you learn a lot uh, really around leadership and expanding your skill set beyond what you're comfortable with. I think a lot of a lot of the time the whole point of a startup is to learn new things and to and to grow yourself. So yeah, I'm enjoying that journey and I'm happy to have people who are supporting us and to who believe in us. Wonderful stuff. Jonathan, I think it's brilliant. And the fact that uh, you are proudly South African and a Joburg boy initially, as you mentioned, um, that's incredible. And just knowing that South Africa has got people like you in it is an inspiration in and of itself. So thank you so much for taking the time out and having a chat to us. We do wish you all the very, very best. And uh, I, for one, am going to be looking out for your panel discussion at uh, the Singularity U Summit. So thank you so much. It's a pleasure, David. Thanks a lot. There we go. You know, talking space, getting out there. That's what it's all about. My special guest there was Jonathan Lynn. Go check it out. Uh, Hypernova Space 
hyperspace.com. That's the website address, hyperspace.com. Get some idea of what they're doing over there. Well worth a visit just to see. Maybe they'll publish some more teasers and videos and things. We can but hope. It wraps it up for this edition of What's Involved. Uh, to each and every one of you, look after yourselves, take care, and thank you for listening.